Today I want to talk to you with a message entitled, How to Live Holy in Dark Times. Again, how it works is I'll read most of the scriptures in this letter. It's actually a letter written to these Christians in the province of Asia Minor. I won't teach on every verse. I'll mention just about every one of them, and then I'll topic. I'll put things together and categorize things so that you'll have some things to put in a bread basket to take home that you can chew on them this week. Number one, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Peter writes, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. Everyone say, be sober. You need the context for that one. Be sober. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Number one, Peter would say to us today, prepare your mind. He was telling those first century Christians, if you want to succeed in your culture, when you're under pressure, when you're under persecution, number one, you've got to prepare your mind. I want to encourage you, if you miss any of the week's messages, for example, if you weren't here last week, go back. You can download the message, the podcast. And the reason why is because I taught the first 12 verses. Paul inter- uh, Peter introduces himself. Here's what he does. Here's what he says. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Hi, my name's Peter. I walk with Jesus. Now let me talk to you about you. And for 11 verses, he tells them who they are in Christ. By the way, one of the first ways that you can survive and even thrive under pressure is when you know who you are in Christ. You show me somebody who knows who they are in Christ, and I'll show you somebody that doesn't capitulate to culture. They're strong. They understand they live by a value system that's not, listen, that's not changing every day. You got to know who you are in Christ. That's why he says you've been born again. You've been sprinkled by the blood of Christ. You've been chosen by God. You've been shielded by God's power. I mean, last week it was just line after line, verse after. He's just telling them, this is who you are. This is who you are. This is who you are. Now he gets to verse 13. And he says this, therefore. Everyone say, therefore. By the way, I heard a preacher say one time, whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible, you got to pause and ask, why is it therefore? Why is it there? Based upon everything he just said, the first 12 verses, watch this. He now says, therefore, based upon that, I'm now going to give you some new stuff. Based upon everything I said up to this point, therefore, here it is, don't miss this, therefore, gird up, gird up the loins of your mind. Based upon who you are in Christ, you've been sprinkled by the blood of Christ, you've received the new birth. You've been chosen by God, you've been shielded by God's power, you have grace and peace, therefore... Gird up the loins of your mind. This verse paints a vivid picture to us of how to, quote, prepare our minds. The word gird up is an interesting word. It means to prepare, to prepare your mind. Peter is writing to prepare your mind. If you want to live successful in a dark world, if you want to live, watch this, strong in dark times, you've got to learn how to prepare your mind. What's going into your mind every day? What are you reading? What are you watching? What are you exposing your mind to? You've heard this many, many times. Garbage in, garbage what? Out. Good stuff in, what? Good stuff out. What are you meditating upon? What are you exposing your mind to? 
Peter tells them that the way to have peace, we know that our emotions are a byproduct of our thoughts. What you think about determines what you feel about. Pastor, I don't like my feelings. You don't change your feelings, you change your thoughts. Your feelings are a byproduct of your thoughts. Peter says, gird your mind. In other words, prepare your mind. Now, this word is a Greek word, but it's actually taken from Hebrew imagery. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, in Bible times, particularly in Asian culture, the concept of girding up was something that is used readily. It was used all the time. And here's the reason why. If you understand how people wore clothing back then, they would have these long garments and and these clothing, they'd be cloaked over them. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, several cases, we see Elijah's one of them, where he was going and getting ready to run a race and to do something, and right before he did that, watch this, he girded up his garment. Uh, let me actually read it to you, because this will give you a picture of what Peter's talking about with the mind. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 46. Watch Elijah gird up his clothing. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah. Everybody say the hand of the Lord. I love that in the Bible. By the way, do you know the hand of the Lord still comes upon people today? What is the hand of the Lord? God's power, God's anointing. God's power wants to come upon your life. God's spirit is within you as a believer. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. But God's anointing comes upon you for works of service. Maybe you're fearful in your job, you're fearful, you feel inadequate. That's why we need to pray, have a prayer line, to ask for God's anointing, for ask for God's power. Why? Because the hand of the Lord will come upon your life. Elijah, the Bible says the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah. Here it is. And he girded up his loins. What does it mean he girded up his loins? Watch this. He, he actually took his garment, and what you would do in Bible times, they actually would pull up their garment because the garment would go down and it would restrict the movement of their knees. They couldn't run fast. So they actually had to pull it up and they had a belt. They would tie their belt and so you would actually pull it up like this. Almost it would go into shorts. It went in a sense from a skirt to shorts. Come on ladies, you know what I'm talking about. You can run a lot faster in shorts and now you don't want to run like this. So all of a sudden watch this. They now, they now he, his, his, watch this his cloak, it was girded up the Bible says, this is so powerful, it says, once he did that, he says, and he ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Why? Because he had nothing restricting him. In other words, in other words, he girded up his loins. He pulled up his cloak. He was prepared. In the same way, Peter says, you've got to prepare your mind every day. You're going to work. You're going to school. You're walking into all kind of landmines, trials and tribulations and adversity. You're dealing with conflict. And your mind, where are you prepared? Is your mind prepared? Is your will just passively just allowing anything to come into your mind? Are you feeding upon the pure and the positive and the powerful framework of God's word? What are you watching? What are you listening to? Why am I feeling this way? Your feelings are a byproduct of your thoughts. What are you exposing your thoughts to? Why is this so important? Well, he goes on and tells us why this is so important. Why do we need to be prepared? Why every day for the Christian, you've got to prepare your mind for the day. Why? I'll tell you why. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. A second place in Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. And 1 Peter chapter 5, later in the book, verse 8. He uses the same word. Watch this. He says, be sober. Everyone say, be sober. 
He says, be sober in verse 13. He says, be sober chapter 5, verse 8. Why is that? Be vigilant. Be prepared. Be ready for the day. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, maybe you're new to Christianity. Maybe you're checking out Christianity. You thought, man, I just, I'm just kind of open to this whole thing. We believe there's a real God. We also believe there's a real protagonist, somebody that's for you, but there's a real antagonist, somebody who's against you. There's a real devil that wants to kill, kill steal, and destroy from your life. And that's why he says, be sober. Everyone say, be sober. In other words, don't be under the influence of culture. Don't be under the influence of the value systems of the world, the ideologies, the philosophies, the mindsets. Don't, don't allow yourself just to passively, just, just to take in the philosophies that maybe, that are, that are counter, that are antithetical to the kingdom of God. That, in other words, you've got to be sober, you've got to be vigilant. In other words, you've got to be attentive to what's around you. That's what Peter said. If it was true 2,000 years ago, how much more today? <clears throat> verse 14. As obedient children, I'm just going verse by verse. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had, past tense, when you lived in your ignorance. What is he saying here? Peter is saying, don't slip back. Don't backslide. It's a theme throughout the Bible. Don't backslide. Don't go back. What do you mean don't go back? Don't go back to the person you used to be. You've received a new birth. You're a new person. Pastor, are you one of those born again? You bet I am. The Bible says be born again. Everyone say born again. You're born once from your mother's womb. You're born from water. Jesus told Nicodemus that. John chapter 3. He says, but you're born from above, born from the spirit. Your spirit was dead before you came to Christ. Now it's alive in Christ. You've received a new birth. A new birth, that means we don't do the things we used to do. We don't talk the way we used to talk. We don't go to the, in other words, we don't go to the same playgrounds, have the same playmates, and have the same play toys. We, we go to different places. We don't talk the same way we used to talk. We don't do the, why? Because we've received a new birth. If any man is in Christ, if any woman's in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He says, don't go back. Don't, don't frequent those places. Don't go back to that. Look at verse 15. Now he says, but just as he who has called you is holy, big theme. Just as he who has called you, God has called you, and God is holy, so he is holy. Listen, so be holy. God is holy, so you be holy in all you do. Uh-oh, God's holy. I heard that. I know God's holy. We used to sing about it. Holy, holy. He's holy, but man, now I'm supposed to be holy. How am I holy like God's holy? Man, that sounds like a tall order. Be holy as God is holy. For it is written, be holy because I am holy, says the Lord. Big theological concept here. What does it mean to be holy? What is the holiness of God? What does it mean that God is holy? Holiness is seen throughout the scripture. The concept is to be separated. God is separate. He is distinct and different than his creation. Holy. God being holy. He is pure consummate joy. Pure consummate love. There's no sin in him. He is he is full of light, full of love. God is holy. He is distinct from us. God is the creator, and we are the creation. And by the way, the creation worships the creator. The creation should never worship the creation. That's called the Burning Man Festival in northern Nevada. 
by the way. By the way, whenever creation worships creation, it never goes well. It never goes well for a person, a family, or a culture when you do that. In other words, a watch never asks a watch how it ticks. A watch needs to ask the watchmaker how it works. And yet we're distinct and different from God. We're different from God. God is holy. Stay with me. It's a big concept. I'm going to try to break it down because the question is, how can I, quote, be holy as God is holy if I'm not God? Stay with me because we're not God. We're made in the image of God, but we're not God. Isaiah 55, verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts higher than your thoughts. So God, we're not God. God is, not, God is different than us. He's distinct from us. And yet God has called us as a people to walk in holiness. God is holy, and he's called us. By the way, read the Bible. It's always been God's plan for his people to live holy. Read the Old Testament. God would tell them, don't, don't take on the value systems of the culture around you. Not, don't, don't act like the Assyrians. Don't act like the Egyptians. Don't act like the Babylonians. Read the Old Testament. He says they were, they were to be distinct and they were to be in the world but not of the world. They were, they, they were working jobs and they were around, but don't take on the philosophies. Don't take on the mindset. Holiness has always been the call for God's people throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament. God is holy, and he's called us to holiness. The issue is just as God is holy, he's called us. He's called us in our thoughts, in our values, in our affections, in our allegiances. How, how, how are we, though we're not God, to be holy like God? The picture is the picture of the incarnation. God the Father so loved the world that he sent God the Son, the second person of the Trinity. He sent God the Son into the earth to be in the earth, to be among the people, to be distinct from them. He was in the world, but he was not of the world. The incarnation gives us the picture how we can be a people, how we can be a people to be in the world, but not of the world. I do not believe that the Bible advocates and subscribes at any, that we should subscribe at any level that we escape from the world, that we move away, and we go live in a cave somewhere until the return of Christ. By the way, there have been Christians historically over the last 2,000 years at times that have subscribed to that. I don't believe it's biblical. I believe that we should be in the world. Everyone say, in the world. But, everyone say, but, not of the world. What does that mean? We don't take on the philosophies of the world. We don't take on the value systems of the world. We don't take on the sexual ethic of the world system. We don't act like the world. We don't talk like the world. We're in the world. We can thrive in Babylon. Daniel did. You can thrive in your job, but you don't, you don't think like, act like, and talk like. Why? Because you're in the world, but you're not of the world. You're holy in your affections. In your, not perfect, but you're holy. You, you, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. By the way, another thought here is Jesus came to the earth, died on the cross, and rose from the dead. Yes, to make us holy, not necessarily to make us happy. Now, I know you tell some people, oh, yeah, the goal of life is pleasure and happiness. No, it's not. The goal is for you to be holy, not happy. But if you are holy, the byproduct of that often is happiness. The problem is, yeah... 
The problem is, is if your target is happiness, you'll compromise God's word and you'll emotionally justify poor decisions. Let me give you an example. Well, I'm not happy, but I want that thing and I want it now. I know I can't afford it, but I'm going to get it even though I can't afford it because I want it. It'll make me happy. Okay, let me go up another level. I'm dating and I don't think that, you know, I just don't really feel like waiting because after all, you know, we're adults and we want to do it. If we want to do it, wait, 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 time out. God says a man and a woman should be married before they have sexual intimacy. God's, not, God's word is not outdated. It's not archaic. It's not, well, just a little myth, myth somewhere. No, it's life. It's living. It's breathing. He's the alpha and the omega. God knows how life works best. Let me tell you something. You do it God's way, and that's where ultimate. You pursue holiness and happiness as a byproduct. You pursue happiness, and holiness becomes elusive. It's elusive. We do it God's way. We do it God's way. Now, I know it got quiet in church, but the reason why some of your souls are busted up is you're trying to do it your way and not God's way. Do it God's way. Everybody say God's way. I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to help you. We do it God's way. You play a football game. There's no rules. Guess what? People get hurt. People get hurt anyway. <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, life is tough as it is, much less trying to do it your way. You keep hitting your head against the wall. Do it God's way. Everyone say God's way. The problem is, well, you know, marriage, you know, I'm just not happy in my marriage. I'm going to try some time out. Since when has happened is the barometer of whether or not we should. No, listen, we obey God. We obey God. What does God say? God's word. God's word. We believe that if you believe that happiness is the ultimate goal, then you'll interpret every delay, every frustration, and every pain as not being part of God's plan for your life. Instead of seeing that God is using that and working that to purify your heart, to make you the woman, to make you the man that God created you to be. That's, the, that's what God does. <laughs> Moving right along, because y'all can't handle much more than that. <laughs> I hope that convicted some of y'all. I'm trying to help you as your pastor. I'm trying to help you. And by the way, I've been there. My soul was busted up, and it's no fun. It's no fun. I know what it's like doing things my way, and, and you end up filled with hurt, filled with pain, filled with shame. Do it God's way. Everybody say God's way. First Peter chapter 1, verse 18. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but... With the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Paul proceeds to tell believers in Asia Minor and us today, you don't have to live under the curse of your ancestors. The believer in Jesus Christ does not have to live under generational curses. We don't have to live on, well, you know my grandma, and you know that, and, you know, and we're Italian, so we have a problem with anger. No, we don't worship Sicily. We worship Jesus. We worship Jesus. No, that anger needs to be broken off your life. We don't know. Well, everybody's been divorced in my family. Everybody's had addictions. No, no. How I many know if any person is in Christ, the blood of Christ has washed them, cleansed them, and broken that curse off of your life? You're a new person in God. You have a new family line. There's a new heritage coming forth. A new godly lineage is coming forth. That's what Peter said. Peter says, your ancestors, they try to hand down to you dysfunctions and duplicity and all these demonic things, but the blood of Christ puts a no trespassing sign in your house. 
No, 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 no. Listen, when dysfunction and demons and, and generational curse try to knock on your door, say, no, no, the blood of Christ cuts that off. You're not welcome in my home. I, I, I'm a new man. I'm a new person. I don't care if my Kuzan, my Puran, my Papa, or anybody else. Man. Trust me, I had more devils, more curses. They're broken in my family. Jennifer and I, we're like, we're breaking that in Jesus' name. You know, when you just read the Bible and you apply it to your life, it brings life. It brings health. It brings hope. It brings faith. It brings faith to your heart. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. All of this is about preparing your mind. Everybody say, prepare my mind. You start meditating on the word of God. Listen to me. Listen to me. The reason why you don't feel good is because you've been thinking the wrong thoughts. You want to change your feelings? You change your feelings by not changing your feelings. You change your feelings by changing your thoughts. And the way you change your thoughts is putting your right, the right stuff in there. It's your responsibility to expose your mind to truth. God can't do that for you. You can change how you feel based upon what you're thinking on. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again. There it is again. Don't be ashamed. You are born again as a Christian. Be bold in that. I'm born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh, all flesh is as grass, and the glory of man is the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls away. But the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord endures forever. Now, this is the word which we, which, by which the gospel was preached to you. Number one, everybody say, prepare your mind. My mind's got to be prepared. What am I thinking about? What am I meditating on? Number two, walk in power. This is not a willpower exercise. Christianity is not a moral renovation program where you pull yourselves up by your bootstraps. No, we're actually broken sinners that need a greater power to infuse us with strength to do what we can't do in ourselves. Years ago, I had an iPhone that was just, it had behavior problems. It just ran out of juice so quick. I was like, why is this thing just, it was just like, just, I was so frustrated. You know, I, I go to the airport, you know, I've just got the cord, you know, I'm, I'm sitting, you know, I'm like, I'm like on a leash, you know. I got, I just, I'm sorry, I'm, I apologize. I've got, I'm just, okay. You know, and then finally one day I was so excited. My assistant, she goes, she goes I've got something for you. You're really going to like this, you know. And you're going on a trip. And she goes, I've got this. This super-duper power pack. This is years ago, power pack. So in other words, this thing will charge like your phone four times. I just felt so powerful. <laughs> I felt like the devil's under my feet now. You know what I'm saying? I just, and it was such a good analogy because here's the thing. I, I, the, the, what I realized is now, wherever I go, I can bring that power with me. Can I tell you something? Wherever you go as a Christian... You've got the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you to quicken you and to strengthen you. You, you don't have to be lassoed to a negative circle. You have a, the power. Everybody say power. Peter tells these first century believers there's two power sources you need to consistently draw from. Number one, here's what he says. Here's what he says. He says, by belief in the truth, obeying the truth. Everyone say truth. Our world is broken. Our world is making up the rules every day. New rules. 
They have lost their minds. You do know that. If you're taking your clues from the news or from some social con, they're going to change. Peter says the word of God endures forever. The truth of God's word is the only strong foundation. And it's when truth comes into your mind. He says there's two power sources you can take with you. It's truth. And watch this. He says through the truth of God's word, obeying the truth, and through the spirit. The truth of God's word and the Holy Spirit. That's why you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Freshly baptized. Filled with the spirit every day. The spirit of God is in you, but you need a fresh infilling upon your life. And you carry the presence of God. You're a carrier. Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians. You carry this treasure in earthen vessels. When you go to work, when you go to your campus, wherever you go, you carry the power of God. You don't have to be lassoed or leashed to the wall. You carry the power of God. You carry it into the corporate space. You carry it into your campus. You carry it wherever you go. You carry the presence of God. And that is the power source. Everybody say, prepare my mind. What are you meditating on? Are you meditating on the pure, the powerful, and the positive? Or are you meditating on the garbage of the world? You feel the way you feel because of your thoughts. You can change your thoughts. If you change your thoughts, you change your feelings. Prepare your mind. Prepare your mind. Number two, walk in power. The power is not your power, sir. It's not, this is not, well, you know, Steve, he's got a strong personality. He's an Enneagram 8. That's why he made changes. No. Sin buckled me. Sin grinded me to power, powder. I couldn't change myself. It was Christ who changed. It's Christ who gives me the power to live holy. It's Christ. Listen, if you'd have known who I was, I had no power to say no to sin and yes to God. It's the Holy Spirit that gives you the power to say no to sin and yes to God. It's the Holy Spirit that gives you the power to shut your computer when there's pornography and you're neurologically, your brain has been infused. It's the Word of God that will renew your mind and the power of the Spirit will give you strength to say, I'm not giving myself to that. I'm giving myself to something better than that, to God. It's the Holy Spirit. It's not your willpower. It's God's Word power in your heart. It's the strength of God. Peter's telling these first century believers, Asia Minor, I mean, think about it. imperial worship, worshiping Caesar. They're called haters. They're like, what's going to happen? He says, there's a power on the inside of you. There's a power on the inside. Don't worship Caesar. Don't give your allegiance to Rome. Give your allegiance to Christ. Only Christ and him crucified. Yeah. Obey the truth through the spirit. Peter continues, in essence, here's what he says. First Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, lay aside. Everyone say, lay aside. Because you have the power of the Holy Spirit, you have the power to make different choices now. You have the power to make different choices. Lay aside, lay aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, evil, evil speaking. Those are actions. Some are attitudes, some are actions. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word of God, that's what gives you strength that you may grow thereby. Pastor, I just don't feel like I'm growing in my walk with God. Are you feeding upon the word of God? Are you spending time in God's presence? Are you spending time? God will give you strength. God will give you strength as you feast upon his word, as you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And he gives you strength to say no to unrighteousness and yes to right. To say no to those bad attitudes, those things that are holding you down. No to bitterness. No to envy. No to evil speaking. And there's, there's just a new conviction in your heart and a new power to say no to that and yes to God. It's not willpower. It's word power. It's, it's God's power on the inside of you. The story is told of an old man and his grandson. His grandson came to him and said, 
Papa, I, I don't know what's going on. I just, I just feel like there's this fight on the inside of me. And the grandpa says, there is a fight going on with you. There's a fight going on with me. The grandfather said to the boy, it's a terrible fight. And it's actually a fight between two wolves. There's actually a fight between two wolves, he said. One is evil. He's angry, envious, sorrowful, greedy, arrogant, self-pity, guilty, resentful, inferior, filled with lies, false pride, superiority, ego. He continued, the other wolf is good. He's full of joy and peace and love and hope and serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The same fight is going on the inside of you and me and every one of us. Inside of every person, the grandson thought about it and said for a minute, then granddad, which wolf will win, granddad? And he says, the one that you feed, grandson. Which one are you feeding? Which one are you feeding? Are you feeding on the pure and the powerful and the positive? If you don't like how you're feeling, change your thoughts. Your thoughts dictate how you feel, and your feelings become where you make choices out of. You often choose what you feel. You can change what's what you can change your life by changing what you meditate upon. What are you allowing? The pure, the powerful, the positive, the word of God. Obey the truth, the power of the spirit. Obey the truth, the power of the spirit. Number one, he says, prepare the mind. Everybody say, prepare the mind. Number two, everybody say walk in power. Not your willpower, God's word power. Your will, the role of your will is to submit to a greater power. That's the role of your will in the Christian life. Let me give you the third and final thing. What would Peter say to this first century church? They're trying to live holy without living in a hole. We can't just live in a hole. We've got to engage in culture. By the way, we believe that the Bible advocates engage in every sphere of culture, but live differently. Live differently. The third and final thing here, he said, I just, the Bible is so beautiful. If we'll just read and apply it. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, coming to him. This is the third key to living holy in dark times. Coming to him as the living stones, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also are living stones, and you're built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Number one, prepare your mind. You want to live holy in a dark world? Prepare your mind. Number two, walk in power, a power greater than you, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God's Word. Number three, learn to stick together. Learn to stick together. Learn to be part of the body of Christ. Peter is talking here about a house. Everyone say house. He says there's a house. God's building a house. God's building a family house. And he uses an interesting image here. He said his house is made with stones. He actually says it's made with living stones. I want you to think about this for a moment. Living stones. What are living stones? Not bricks, but living stones. I began to think about this. I began to think about the power of the body of Christ. I began to think about how we desperately need one another. You, you know what a brick is? Let me tell you the difference between a brick and a stone. A brick, watch this, is laid. A stone is set. I'm not in any way taking away from the craftsmanship of somebody that lays bricks, but, 
But from what I understand, it's a, it's a little bit easier. You're, you're laying a brick, and then you lay another brick, and you lay another brick, and as long as the mortar's in the right place, it's, 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 they, they come from the factory cut. But a stone is different. A stone is not laid. A stone is actually set. And a stone has to be set, watch this, watch this, in relationship to another stone. As a matter of fact, I remember when they were building the Little Creek campus, as we were building the Little Creek campus, they, they, they were putting stone on the outside. It was a very intricate process. I remember one day talking to the person that was putting those stones, and he said, man, this is, he goes, we'll see kind of where three or four go together, and then we'll start chiseling on one because we know it's set there, and the, and the strength of one complements the other. I thought, oh, what a picture. He said, sometimes we've got to chisel one to fit next to another. How many times we get frustrated because God's trying to chisel on one of our attitudes because he's trying to get you a little bit more congenial as you connect with different parts of the body of Christ? He's trying to make you amiable. He's trying to make you friendly. He's trying, in other words, he's dealing with something on this side because he's got somebody. In other words, in your small group, in your small group, he's setting you. God sets people. Everyone say Set. There's a craftsman. It's intentionality. And these Christians needed to know that. that God's got a plan. God's got a purpose. They had to prepare their minds. They had to walk in power. But they had to allow God to set them, and they had to stick together. I thank God for the different people that have walked with me in the body of Christ. Man, I, I needed help. I needed discipleship. I needed to be part of community. And by the way, so do you. So do you. Now, the purpose of being set is not just to be set. The purpose of being set. The purpose of being part of the body of Christ. By the way, I don't know how people make it without the body of Christ. Well, let me just tell you, they don't make it good. They don't make it well. They, they don't make it well. They don't, I don't care what anybody says, you don't. You need people. You need men and women in your life. You need the body of Christ to help you, to encourage you. You need to be in the house of God, small group. You need to be around other believers because the culture, it's like the frog in the kettle. The water's getting hot, and you don't realize it. You need the body of Christ. Peter said, God is set. Everyone say set. All right, here it is. Why did he set you? Why did he set you? Why did he set you? Here it is. Last verses. First Peter 2, 9. He says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness. God's called you out of darkness, ma'am. Sir, he's called you to, to not live in darkness anymore. Pastor, what's darkness? Look around. God's called you out of darkness. Why has he called you out of darkness? He's called you out of darkness into something. Into, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his light. Into. He's called you out of darkness into. Why? So you can proclaim the greatness of God. So that you can proclaim it. So that you can proclaim it. You were once not a people. Pastor, why do you give your testimony all the time? Two reasons. Number one, one for you, secondly for me. I always want to be reminded 
I know what it was like. 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 And I'm so grateful God has taken me out. He's not just taking me out, but he's also set me with the body of Christ. He's put me with the body of Christ. Why is this? Not only as an individual do I have a voice, but collectively we are proclaiming the greatness of God. Do you know what happens in a community when a community sees a healthy church declaring the greatness of God and people are being saved, healed, baptized, delivered, set free, kids getting on fire for God? How many are excited about what Jesus is doing with all our young people? Come on, all of our campuses. God has called you. Listen to me. I want everybody to hear me. Every location, God's called you out of darkness. Come out of darkness. Come out. You don't need to live in that oppression. You don't need to live in that depression. You don't need to live in darkness. You can come into, into his marvelous life to proclaim, to proclaim his goodness. I want everybody to bow their heads. Every one of our locations. I'm going to take an opportunity right now. Literally, I have two minutes left. If you do not know Christ, you're not sure about your relationship with God, I want to pray for you. You say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. Here's what the Bible says. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know Jesus? Do you know that you know if you die today that you're ready to stand before God? Here's what the Bible says. Whoever calls upon that name, I can't save you. This church can't save you. I tell you, who can save you. His name is Jesus. I can point to him and say, trust in Christ. What do you have to believe? Number one, Romans 3.23, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but Jesus Christ is that gift. He paid for our death. He paid the penalty. Receive Christ today. Surrender to Christ today. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus. I need the blood of Christ to wash me, to cleanse me, and to make me new. If that's you at the count of three, I'm going to ask you to hold your hand up high so I can see it. One, two, three. Quickly hold your hand up high. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you right there, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you right there. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. God bless you. God bless you up top right there. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. God bless you, son. Anybody else? Pastor, God bless you guys up top. God bless you as well. That's awesome. God bless you right there. Church, can we pray with those that are trusting Christ? This is the most powerful prayer they'll ever pray right here. This is a prayer of, it's a decision to surrender their hearts to Christ. I want us to, as a church family to pray together with everyone. Can we do that? Say, dear Jesus. Come on, everyone. Dear Jesus, I come to you today. A sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put it in your hands. From this day forward, I belong to you. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. Hey, and for those of you who are making a decision to follow Christ right now, I just want to say that this changes everything. You are loved, you are forgiven, and scriptures say that now that you belong with Christ, you are a new creation. And I want to encourage you with two things, that it's super important now that you are a new believer to really be connected with uh, some good resources to really let you know what it even means to be a Christian, and then also get connected with good people that will walk alongside you as you start this this new journey. So go ahead and click the link in the um, on the screen right now or in the chat, and it'll just lead you to all the resources that you really need in this new journey.
Yes, absolutely. Please click the link. We want to resource you and we want to connect you. Speaking of connection, you know, one of the things that I've learned through my life is that I need two things in life. I need God's presence through his word and his church and and, and worship. Uh, The other thing I need is his people, that God really has set me into a family. And half of that battle or more than half of that battle is just showing up. And we truly do believe that God has something so special in store through and in your life if you just keep showing up. As a matter of fact, speaking of showing up. Yes, we do not want you to forget all of you ladies about Sisterhood Night happening September 19th. That's this coming Tuesday. It's crazy. I can't believe it's already coming up. We are so excited for it. So don't forget to invite your friends. I know I will. And yeah, so we'll see you next week as we continue our new, uh, our we continue our message series, Out of Darkness. And we will see you next week. Same time. Same place. Bye.